Welcome to Fundamentally Human, a podcast about mental health topics unpacked in an easy-to-understand way. My name is Shervin, and I'm your host. Let's get started. For today's episode, I have two guests. I'm joined by the hosts of Shit We Don't Tell Mom podcast. Welcome, Christy and Angie. Yay! Thank you for having us. (laughs) Yes, it's nice to be here. Uh, I guess I'll start off with Christy. Can you introduce yourself to the listeners, please? Sure. So my name is Christy. I'm a second generation Canadian, born and raised from Vancouver. I love Backstreet Boys and Sailor Moon and spicy food and and soup noodles. Like that's like my favorite food. And I'm also a co-host of Shit We Don't Tell Mom podcast. Thank you, Christy. And Angie, can you introduce yourself as well? Yeah. So I'm the other co-host of Shit We Don't Tell Mom Uh And I am going with the flow of what Christy just said. I am a 1.5 generation Chinese Canadian. I was born in China and I moved to Vancouver, Canada when I was nine years old. I enjoy a lot of different things. I I call myself a neophiliac. Yeah, we can go into that later, but uh, I have a fondness for change and for novelty things. Right now, I spend most of my time with my dog. Um, She is a one-year-old Samoy, and she is the, she gives me a lot of joy and a lot of pain. So, yeah, that's who I am. (laughs) Yay. Thanks for being here, guys. Can you explain to us what your podcast is about? Sure. So, on Shit We Don't Tell Mom, um... We share vulnerable stories about how we manage anxiety, depression, and bipolar. So I have anxiety and depression. Angie has bipolar disorder. And we just talk about how we manage our mental health while figuring out some of the not-so-glamorous parts of adulting, relationships, and just figuring out our identities. Well put. Okay. <laughs> I think what I'm going to do first is tell you guys. So I think probably... I don't know, at least five years ago, maybe, maybe a little, maybe four, I stopped swearing pretty much. So I think this is the first time I've sworn my podcast. And usually I just don't really swear in general. And I was thinking, man, how am I going to get away with this for this episode? (laughs) And I was like, there's no way to go around it. So... Thank you for breaking that swearing streak for us. Oh my goodness. I feel bad, but also honored at the same time. (laughs) like having someone who's vegetarian eat meat after a long time of not eating meat that's how it feels and then I'm the person like I feel like we're the person who like force fed you meat without knowing (laughs) like I pinned her down and then Christy shoves meat (laughs) well sometimes I swear when I'm by myself that I don't remember why I stopped. I think a big reason was I worked with kids for a while and I was like, oh, shoot, I got to make sure I don't slip up or something or with a client, you know? So then I just stopped. <laughs> That's actually really good. I I tried, keyword tried, to stop swearing. Um, because Same thing. Like, uh, I also work with clients. I don't want to slip up. Um, my ex, like their family is very conservative, so I don't want to slip up, you know, and, uh, and some, and now some of my friends have kids. So same thing, kids, I don't want to slip up, but like, oh man, the slipping just, I'm just slipping sliding all over the place. Like it's, I, it's not working, but, (laughs) 
I swear a little bit less now. Little bit. But I've just given up on like not swearing. I definitely swear a lot less now. I remember uh, when I was in university, I guess I used to swear a lot. Like even though my go-to like phrase when I when it's something when I'm like, ah, you know, it was like Mother Jesus, um, which is not swearing, but I could see it um, offending a lot of people. Um, Yeah, I swore a lot in high school and in university. I remember I'd be like, oh, don't make me choke a bitch, you know, like (laughs) I was very like wannabe hardcore and someone who was very ignorant. I had a male friend who was very ignorant. He's like, are you sure you're not a lesbian? And I was like, (gasps) what are you talking about? He's like, well, you swear a lot. And you've got like very (laughs) masculine energy. And I was like, why? Because I, I was like, why? Because I like, um, you know, I have my own opinions, you know, stuff like that. And he was just like, He's like, yeah, I don't know. And I was just like, what the hell? (laughs) Anyway, that was like one of the things that made me go, do I swear too much? Even though I know what he said was like completely wrong and completely ignorant. um, It still made me go, do I swear too much? Um, I mean, I didn't stop swearing because of him. But I think over time, um, as I, you know, put myself into the workforce, I realized I had to swear less. Probably can't say choke a bitch to your <laughs> boss. Yeah, you I know? wish. <laughs> I hope that that friend or person of yours is um you know grown up. Growth. Then. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I you know so. I don't know. Growth. We're not we're not very close anymore. Uh, we kind of like grew apart. Uh, you know, there's like a lot of friends that come and go. Let's say he was one of those. Uh, but I I would imagine he did grow up. Yeah. On that note, do you guys speak up to your parents in the sense of? Okay, so for example, for me, my parents have the very traditional perspective of how women have to be submissive and they don't speak their minds and if you do you're being rude and that was always like that for me growing up so I found that I would always try to speak my mind or I wouldn't let people hold my bags I'm a strong independent woman and my mom's like no no let people hold your bags and I would do everything to go against what they say how is that for you guys I fucking hated. It. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Can I swear on you? <laughs> you can. It's okay. You just gonna have to mark this episode explicit. Someone has to do it. <laughs> it ain't me. It it drives me crazy. Like I get so. I probably shouldn't even describe it as driving me. Cra- like I, I, I get very triggered, and mm. um, my even even my ex would point out like saying I may be overly sensitive about these things, but I don't know. That's a whole other topic. But every time my mom would say anything that has to do with like gender roles, yeah. I would I would be like, I would basically say the opposite thing, you know, as what she said. <laughs> I'm just try- I can trying to think of an example and I I just can't, I don't know, something something even nah like maybe girls aren't in engineering and then she'll make a comment and then 
you know, about what, like about boys and their like math skills. And I'll be like, well, girls can do it too. You know, <laughs> like that's like my automatic comeback. But growing up, she will say things like, oh, you need to cross your legs in certain ways because that's like the lady form of doing things. Um, or like, I shouldn't squat while I'm on the streets, you know, chilling and waiting for my bus. <laughs> She'd be like, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm just imagining lady you squatting, like- and it's so good because we have a photo of us squatting together. I know. So, so she'll say, you know, she'll she'll make um, comments like that, and I think when I was a kid, it bothered me, but I didn't know how to express it. And now, as an adult, oh, I express it. <laughs> <laughs> And I like how you say that because it doesn't mean that you – maybe you're more empathetic to your parents and more understanding of why they are now, but it's it's not even about that. It's just about being able to speak your mind now. And I found the same with me. Before I would rebel through my actions, they would be like, don't wear short shorts when you go play sports because it's they're too short. And I just wear short shorts anyways. I'm like, suck it, mom. This is me rebelling. But now I'll actually speak up about it. And I don't think they really get it still, but I still speak up about it. (laughs) What about you, Angie? I have... So it's kind of complicated. That's kind of a complicated... um, Not topic, but it's it's a pretty long-winded story. So I'm really lucky in the sense that I feel like my grandparents, my mom's parents, were very much ahead of their time. Um... You know, my grandpa, both my grandpa and grandma really wanted a daughter. And, you know, back in like the 1950s, this was like, even nowadays, like there are still people who don't want a daughter, right? But um, they kept trying until they had a daughter. And so my mom has two older brothers. So she grew up kind of uh, spoiled in that sense. You know, they didn't have much. So it's not like she was spoiled with material goods, but she was spoiled in certain ways. And she was always encouraged to pursue what she wanted and pursue education. Um, my grandma was, my grandma to this day, she's illiterate. She grew up, um, with a very traditional father. Her father is actually, what was a Taoist priest. So they were doing okay in terms of like, you know, uh, how they were family wise. And he believed that for a daughter to be able to marry into a good family, that she has to be illiterate and she has to bind her feet. So my grandma was very rebellious. She basically screamed and kicked every time her mom was trying to bind her feet. Eventually they gave up. So my grandma doesn't have bound feet. And also... She wasn't allowed to go to school, but she would sneak off and like listen to lectures outside, like from the window until she got in trouble, until like her dad found out. So I feel like she was really ahead of her time and she's kind of like a role model in that sense for me. So she always encouraged my mom to pursue education and pursue things like that because she grew up illiterate. She grew up without being like a learned person. She always felt that she was at at a disadvantage because of that. And so, you know, this passes down to me, I was the same way. And especially because uh, my dad is very much um, takes a backseat. So my mom's the more dominant one in the in the relationship. So I was always encouraged to speak up as well. 
And um, my dad usually likes to tell these stories about how um, when I was a kid, I would always um, talk back to the adults. <laughs> so I think that's just part, part of my personality. Um, there was one time where my dad was, um, this was during the period of time where I was trying to make my dad quit cigarettes. And he was at a lunch with his coworkers. And I walked into the restaurant took the cigarette out of his mouth and jammed it into his tea. And I was like, <gasps> so badass. I was like really young, like maybe seven or eight. <laughs> oh my and God. like that, it's just like how I've always been. And I'm very, very lucky that I've always been encouraged to be myself in that sense. So for me, it's kind of the opposite. So I've always been like, oh, like that's, that's how my parents see me. That's like how everybody sees me. Like I have to be a badass, which is why, like I was saying earlier in high school and university, I always had this front of like how I'm this like really indestructible person. But I think like on the inside, like I'm, I'm very sensitive. Um, I'm a huge empath. So for me, I felt like this was almost, almost became like a front. Like, yes, it is part, part of my personality because when I was young, that was like a big part of who I was but because like my parents are so proud of my ability to be like in your face about things I felt like I had to always be like that so as I got older especially in the last few years I realized that it's okay to be vulnerable so which is why I say this whole thing is kind of like a complex long-winded story for me where it's like okay this is part of my personality but doesn't have to be exactly who I am like I can be vulnerable too so now like I'll let like in my last in my last relationship that's why I really liked it when my ex always put me first and always like catered to my needs because it was something that I was lacking now I I found a balance so I like you know I started liking pink things again uh, or powder blue like anything that used to be viewed as like a very gendered female um stereotype i was never able to allow myself to embrace that because i felt like it conflicted with who i was and i used to be like oh i hate flowers flowers are so dumb or like i hate pink pink is so dumb <laughs> and now i'm like give me but like give me pink headphones buy me flowers because i realized like hey it doesn't matter what society thinks like if you like it just like it so for me, it's kind of like um, almost like a different perspective, a different approach. But I think at the end of the day, um, whether or not um, like what kind of personality we have or if we like to be outspoken or not, I think the thing that we have in common and the universal thing is that we learn from a young age what makes our parents happy. And then as we grow up, we try to do that because we just want to make them happy and make them proud. And sometimes we suppress who you really are or suppress certain things. Um, so even if your parents can be quote unquote open-minded, they can still be quote unquote closed-minded. So I think the, what am I trying to say? <laughs> I'm trying to say like, um, don't try so hard to please your parents um, and just like do what you can <laughs> to make yourself happy. And like, don't limit your own personality and your identity. That's to right. What other people think your identity is. Like, because you can still be tough ass gangster Angie that also enjoys pink and flowers. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like yeah. it, they're not mutually exclusive things. Exactly. And you're not just uh, the, you know, the tough Angie. Like there's all sides of you. There's so many different 
you as a human being is so much more complex than the identity that you put forth in society or the identity that you assume in society for based off of whatever reason, whether it's your friends who give you that identity or your parents or whomever, you are so much more than that. And it's okay to show all those different sides of you. Well said. I really like what you said about how like how these things are not mutually exclusive, which is why there's like, you know, the whole gender thing, how if our parents want us to be very feminine and cross your legs a certain way, it like is a very outdated thought because, yeah, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your parents encourage you to do. Um, The identity thing, like it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. I really like that. And I like that, you know, for pink, it doesn't mean you're quote unquote very feminine if you enjoy the color pink or flowers or it's a girly thing it means that you appreciate flowers or you appreciate that tone of color and I think that as we're starting to move through the times we're starting to take away some of the labels that come with certain colors or tones or things like that and that reminds me of just going through my 20s and Something that I really, I guess, changed for lack of better words is when I deleted or stopped using social media as much and really became much more introverted. I think I'm one of those people who are naturally quite introverted, but if I needed to be social and extroverted, I really have no problems with that. But my preference is always I love being at home. I love doing things at home and chilling or hanging out with one or two people, very small groups. And anytime there are large group hangouts, I need to mentally prepare myself for. (laughs) And whereas when I was much younger, I was always uh, out and about and doing things. And that was something that changed for me. You know, certain times I would feel a little lonely or like oh maybe I need to put a bit more effort to connect with people and have those thoughts but I know that's normal too but I noticed that was probably one of the biggest changes I had in my 20s and I'm wondering what kind of changes you guys have noticed as you've gotten older maybe I'll start with Christy no (laughs) (laughs) what a loaded question oh my god okay well in hindsight, I think 20-something-year-old Christy is kind of an idiot in a very loving way, okay? <laughs> like, I needed to have those idiotacy moments um, in my life. Um, biggest change? Uh, do I have to go first? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the one of the benefits of being co-hosts, right? It's like, okay, no, you do it. You do it. Um, I would say, I mean, I covered it a little bit, but how like, as I grew older, I soar a little less. I embrace my own identity a bit more. I allow myself to be more vulnerable. Um, I think like, okay. So there was in this episode, I can't remember exactly which episode it was when Christy and I were talking about turning 30 and we were both like freaking the fuck out. Um, like, oh my God, we're going to turn 30. Oh my God. Like our life is over. Oh my God. Like, what are we going to do after 30? Like we haven't done like thinking there was so much anxiety, like, like in 29, there's so much anxiety as you move towards that ominous three zero and it approaches closer and closer every day. And the closer you get to it, the more anxiety there is because you're 30 and now it's like you graduate into this adulthood thinking like you should kind of know what you're doing by now but then we still feel like we don't 
Yeah. But then in hindsight, <laughs> Angie, in hindsight, I was like, <laughs> why do we freak out so much? But I guess it's, it's okay to freak out because it's the unknown. I feel like I don't know where it came from. Maybe our parents, maybe our peers. It's like, okay, by the time you're 30, you have to, you know, have a good job, have a house, have a car, have a family, etc. And obviously, most of us don't have that because it's 2022. And it's really difficult to get all that by the time you're 30. So we I guess we benchmark ourselves against these unrealistic achievement slash goals by a certain age. And those benchmarks come from like previous generations, or I don't know, television. (laughs) So yeah, it was really anxiety inducing and I spent a good part of my 29th 29th year 30th year on earth like trying to figure out who I am or what I want in life but in in hindsight like crossing that bridge I think we used this um Chrissy and I we used this analogy before on our show it's like there's a bridge and we can't see what's on the other side of the bridge because the bridge is like pretty long So we're just like, oh, but we're so comfortable here. Like, I don't know. Like, I can't I can't cross it. Like, it's just so scary. And then we're forced to cross it. And then as we're crossing it, we're like the like the the anxiety builds. Right. We're like, oh, we don't know what's on this other side, like builds and builds. And then we get to the other side and it's beautiful. (laughs) Birds are singing. The flowers are blooming. The trees are waving at us. It's (laughs) nice, gentle breeze. Like, it's (laughs) so nice being 30 because those things kind of those anxiety that anxiety of like I must accomplish all this by the time I'm 30 it dissipates like maybe there's a new benchmark like I have to I don't know have kids by 35 whatever but I feel like most of the anxiety at least for me just like left it behind on the other side of the bridge I call that anticipation anxiety I get that a lot and I think a lot of people get that a lot because and really the definition of anxiety means you know fear of the unknown or fear of uncertainty and when you have that bridge I love that example by the way because I hate bridges and heights so (laughs) I can resonate with that it's so scary you just don't know what's to come and sometimes it might be worse or hard or difficult but as cliche as it sounds it's all about the journey (laughs) I can't say that without laughing. (laughs) (laughs) But cliches are a cliche for a reason, right? Because they hold, you know, a lot of truth to it. So, okay, going back to that question, what have I learned from my 20s? Is that something like that? Um, (laughs) (laughs) What changes have you noticed? (laughs) Um, Being inspired by Angie's bridge story. I think... One of the biggest changes is I'm working hard right now to try to give less shits because when I was in my 20s, I didn't even think about that concept of not giving a fuck. I I gave a lot of fucks, too much fucks. And for a big part of my 20s, I was still in university. Well, I mean, I'm still in school now, but that's for grad school. But I was still doing my undergrad. So I I was doing my undergrad since like, we graduate like 18, 19. And I, I did not graduate from university until I was 27. So I spent majority of my twenties in school and I always felt like I needed to catch up. 
Like I always felt like, first of all, behind everyone else because all of my friends would have graduated already. Everybody's having jobs and et cetera, et cetera, moving on with their lives and like checking off all those boxes, right? Those milestone boxes. And I, I'm way behind. And I felt kind of shitty because then like even people who were around, by the time I was like 25, 26, 27, the, the people that were in my class are like 19, 20, 21, you know? And I, so my own friend circle, I'm behind. And then in my school friend circle, I feel like this old grandma. And so I also feel another level of behind. So I keep comparing myself with other people around me all the time. And I gave so much shits about that, that by the time I was 27 and I graduated and I got my first job, I was like, I need to save up lots of money fast now because all my friends had so many years of work experience and like money saving experience that it got to me. And I'm like, I'm not, I, I'm not ready with anything. Like I'm just opening my savings account or whatever. And the idea of just comparison and needing to catch up was so anxiety inducing. It, it created a lot of, um, issues at my workplace because I didn't give a fuck about what it was that I was doing as long as they pay me good money, you know? So even though I, if I didn't like the job, I didn't, it didn't matter if it was burning me out. It didn't matter because it was giving me the thing that I needed to feel better about myself because it feels like I am catching up. Like I'm starting to catch up, starting to save some money. I'm actually a working professional now. Fast forward not that forward, but like I'm now in my early thirties and I'm, it's not like, oh, all of that has now been shedded off my back. It hasn't. It's still, I, I still catch myself comparing my life with other people. And it's so easy to do that now, especially with like social media. I wasn't on Instagram until like I graduated. So I missed all of that. I was just doing the comparison thing in my own head. And then I started to go on Instagram in like 2018. And now the, now I have another level, like another platform that I could use for these comparisons. But what has changed or or what I find has been different between my 20 something year old mindset and my 30 something year old mindset is at least I'm aware to tell myself to give less fucks to catch myself when I am doing the comparison. And then I'm like, mm, we're all, you know, just like focus on your own lane. Like stop looking around at everybody else, you know, like at least I can now catch myself and try not to give as much shits, give less fucks. And I think that's the biggest mindset shift between my 20 year old self and where I am today. Thanks for sharing that. And I'm in a similar-ish boat where it took me a bit longer to graduate from my undergrad. I think I finished when I was 24, maybe. And even then, I can't imagine if I were to graduate 27, how much worse I would have felt. Because at 24, I was already, like, my friends were entering dentistry, med school, pharmacy, and their third year, fourth year. And I'm just trying to get along and finish my goddamn biology undergrad degree. 
And everyone was starting to, they're like 18 now in my classes or 19. And I'm like, holy crap, they're going to know I'm so old. Or what do I do? I can't make friends because they're going to ask me how old I am. Or I, I don't know. And I'm just like, oh, shoot. And then they're going to ask me how long, how come it took me so long? And and then my parents were like, why are you taking so long? I mean, yeah. At that time, my brother was a pharmacist. And it was like the end of the world. And I, I think I started Instagram and Snapchat became available to me in my like second year that's when I got data too so you can tell that we're a bit older because kids have data when they're in elementary school now and I would just feel so bad about myself all the time and I would feel like if I went for a run I had to post it so people knew I was exercising and taking care of myself you know if you don't post a picture you didn't do it and I was all about that in my early 20s so I think actually I'm the same on the same boat where I started to care a lot less or just focused on myself. And that goes with that whole, you know, being more introverted and working on myself. And um, something my friend actually said, I love this phrase the most. I've really begun to enjoy my own company. Cause I asked him, like, you know, I noticed you spend a lot of time by yourself or doing things on your own. Like, do you ever feel lonely or how's that like for you? And he's like, No, I, I love my own company. And I think that's really true. If you hate yourself a lot or you don't really enjoy your company very much, it can be really hard to enjoy everything else around you because there's this underlying subconscious, probably conscious thought where you're just hating on yourself or deconstructing yourself all the time. And I think that's really exhausting because that's 24-7. You know, you can be with someone for a few hours or like half a day, but you're with yourself the entire day, the entire night for the rest of your life. So it's important to be able to learn how to not only love yourself, but to give yourself the feedback that's helpful and to enjoy being with yourself too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the longest and most intimate relationship that you're going to have with someone. That's you. And so often we focus a lot of our energy on everybody else around us. And that's important, too, because we want to have good relationships with our families, our friends, our partners, our community. But it's difficult when you have not focused a lot of that energy towards loving yourself and hanging out with you and being comfortable with who you are. And who you are also changes all the time. So you kind of have to, like, you know, always check in on yourself and always kind of relearn, like, who, who are you? Because that's going to be changing all the time and, and be comfortable with, you know, hanging out with yourself. And I think that takes time and that takes practice. And everybody is on a certain, you know, point in the spectrum of introvert to extrovert. It may come easier for for some folks than others. But I think regardless of where you are, what holds true is that this is always going to be the longest and most intimate relationship. So put some time and effort into cultivating that. And back to, um, you know, introducing our podcast as shit we don't tell mom, the uh, listeners, you might be like, so what does all this have to do with shit you don't tell mom? The reason why we started this podcast is because there were all these things on Christy and I's mind that you know, we've never spoken to our mom about. And growing up, you know, like, especially being like a daughter is that you see your mom as your role model for most of us, of course, not everyone. Um, 
at least for us, we we saw them as role models. You know, we love them and we learn a lot from our mothers. But it becomes really difficult to try to navigate life when so much of your life and who you are and your identity is kept from this person that you've known since birth, since you were in the womb. So I feel like that's why a lot of us have very complicated uh, relationships with our moms because, I mean, it's just, it's your mom. It's like a universal thing, right? Like no matter your culture, your age, whatever, it's it's so universal. And so that's why our podcast covers all these topics, all these topics for whatever um, topic that you might be having trouble, you know, talking to your mom about. And, you know, there's communities out there. There are friends out there who can help you alleviate some of that emotional burden if you can't talk to someone like your mom about it. And for me, um, when I was 29, I got out of a very toxic relationship. It ended very horrifyingly, and um, it was during that time that I really started to rethink a lot of things about my life and about how I view the world and how I approach my life. And at that time, there were a lot of things that I hadn't told my mom, and one of them was that um, I attempted suicide when I was like 10, 10 years old, or that I was depressed. And so this was like something that I had suppressed for a really long time. It led to, you know, a lot of difficult situations in my life because I hadn't talked to anybody about it. And I ended up taking some time off of work. I was on short-term disability leave because I had a mental breakdown at work. (laughs) I was burnt out and I just wasn't able, like the, the... amount of emotional um, debt that I had just piled up and accumulated interest over time. So I ended up seeing a therapist and I did a lot of uh, CBT and I went on medication as well to treat my depression. Um, So during that four months that I was off of work, I bonded a lot with my mom. We talked about a lot of things Um, She made me feel very comfortable and very seen. Oh my God, I didn't expect that I was going to tear up. But I think being seen by someone that close to you is a great feeling, which is why we really need to, okay, now I'm going on a tangent, but you know, it's Pride Month right now. And that's why we need to raise awareness so that other people can come out to their parents and feel seen by their parents as well. And I think I'm also emotional because I watched everything, everyone all at once yesterday. And like, I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. Yes, not yet. Uh, But like, it made me cry so hard and I wasn't expecting it. We have this very complicated relationship with our mom we want to see by them and we just want to feel that unconditional love and a lot of difficult topics makes us feel like we're not lovable or that we are going to disappoint our parents and that's why we have our show so that we can normalize these topics to make listeners feel more comfortable talking about these things in general and then maybe one day they can talk to their mom and talk to their dad or 
whoever is closest to them. Um, sorry, I like went off. Like it's just my my uh, what do you call it? My train was just like my train of thought. There you go. Thanks, Angie, for sharing that. And you know, I think that's a lot of the work that I'm trying to do with my podcast to at least normalize these topics so people feel more comfortable in sharing something so uncomfortable with others or being vulnerable. And I wonder, now that you guys had a number of episodes out and talking about these things publicly and about your own personal lives, how has that changed for you being vulnerable? Were you really scared of what people were going to say or think or who would hear like your bosses or exes and stuff like that? I think at the beginning, I'm only going to speak for me because I can't speak for Angie. At the beginning, I was definitely super nervous about how the world, the world will respond to our show, especially because the first like five episode, we talked about how we were diagnosed with our mental disorders. I talked about when I went into a psych ward when I was 12 years old and how traumatic that experience was. And that's not a story that... I typically share with people. In fact, I spent a good chunk of my life trying to forget that that ever happened, hide the fact that that happened to me because I was afraid of judgment. I was afraid people were going to think that I'm crazy and, you know, devalue who I am. So yeah, there was a lot of fear at the beginning. Um, And because, you know, it's new, right? Like we're, we're so uncomfortable, but what kept pushing us was we want to learn how to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. And that kind of became our tagline for, you know, the first year or so. And now how our podcast has changed my life is I feel a lot more comfortable sharing my vulnerabilities with my friends, with my professors, with my colleagues, with my bosses at work. And how do I do that? Even through simple things like when people say, hey, hey, how's it going? How are you today? Like our distinct answer or our like natural instinct, it would be like, yeah, I'm doing good or I'm fine. Like, how are you? That's just so normalized, right? It just comes out like word vomit. We don't even think about it, even though that might not actually reflect how we're feeling. Instead, now I pause and I'm like, hmm, I am, you know, if I don't want to go into it, I'll just say like, oh, I'm doing okay. Or I'm feeling a bit low energy today or, you know, trying to be a bit more truthful with how I am feeling with my emotions and where I am at with my energy level. And even just that alone, I feel like is me behaving a lot more vulnerably, vulnerable, vulnerably, vulnerable. whatever being more vulnerable (laughs) in like you know social settings and I think a lot of that came from our work on the podcast and us just talking about our stories and things that we think of but never share with other people and actually I started to ask people how are you today and adding the word today can really 
have them focus more on the present rather than and sometimes actually I've noticed people give me a better or not better but a more truthful response I've had people say oh you know today could be better and they might talk about it instead of just a generic oh I'm good I'm fine how are you because it shows that every day is a bit different and today you might be feeling something different than you were in the past couple of weeks and with my clients I usually start off my sessions asking oh how let's say if I see someone bi-weekly, I'll say, oh, how are the past couple of weeks? Any ups or downs that you'd like to share? Because, um, you know, while I'm here to support them through difficult moments, people will usually only focus on all the negative things happening. And I had one session where a client just told me all of their positives. And that was an amazing session for her. She thought, oh my gosh, I didn't know if I had anything to share because um, nothing really bad happened in the last two weeks. And then it helped her to reflect on all the positives, all the successes and things that did go well for her because it's hard for us to take a moment and stop and think about all the ups that we've had and not just focus on all the downs. So yeah, I'm glad that with the podcast, you found that it's been a lot more comfortable to be uncomfortable. I love that. And I'm wondering, Angie, for you, how it's been like to share about these things online and through the podcast? That's a good question. Um, it does have its ups and downs. I remember when I first started dating my boyfriend, uh, there was something I shared um, that was very sensitive. And I told him I wasn't going to include it. And then I kind of forgot that I told him I wasn't going to include it. And then I included it anyway. And he listened to the podcast and he was like, I thought you were going to include it. And I was like, oh, shit. And then we had a kind of like a little, you know, thing about it uh but yeah I I think definitely at the beginning I was really kind of not sure what my friends were going to think but um a lot of them did listen to the podcast and they gave a lot of really good feedback a lot of people say you know don't stop because what you're doing is great um so my my feeling has definitely gone up and down um as as it is with all things, it's a good question because I haven't really allowed myself to really think about it. I feel like it's one of those things where if I don't think about it, then I won't get upset over it. So a little bit of avoidance there. But overall, what are you I, avoiding? avoiding oh. uh, Christy, I think Christy, you remember this. Um, at the beginning of the show, I had two close friends, and mm. I went through a lot of. There was a lot of drama with them and um they ended up kind of quote-unquote dropping me as a friend and one of the things that they used against me was my podcast wow so at the beginning there was definitely some difficulties with that um of course when I told my you know that's how you know you have real friends right because when I told my real friends about they're like well it's your podcast it's not their podcast Because one of the friends got upset that about something I said in my podcast and it didn't really have anything to do with her per se, Um, but she took it really to heart. And uh, because of that, we were no longer friends. And that's something that was pretty difficult for me to grasp uh, just because 
I didn't realize how much of an impact something that I would say on air would have on someone, even if it is not a direct thing. So I think that that's something I learned as well to be more careful with my words, uh, even if. Even if some people thought that might have been an overreaction, it did make me think about more about the consequences of my words. Because, like I mentioned earlier, I've always been very direct. I say whatever's on my mind, and then you know, as I get older, I realize that some people don't jive with that, and that I, I can offend people really easily. So that's actually something I've been still working on as well. So, yeah, that was one of the things that. Made me almost kind of scared to really talk more about my life. That I have to kind of be careful because my life doesn't involve other people, and maybe they don't want their stories out there. That's a good point. I think that's one of the scary things about having a podcast, especially about vulnerable topics, because not everyone is ready to be part of those stories or experiences shared. And while it doesn't extend to every situation, sometimes I like to think about, you know, based on someone's reaction or response, it says a lot more about them than it does about you. If someone's going to get really upset about something that does not directly involve them, let's say you didn't even mention her name or talked about anything related to her, and she got triggered about a concept that you guys shared, it's so easy for us to take the blame and then to feel guilty about it and to think that we did something wrong. But actually, this is a time to reflect on that person and for that person to think, oh, why are they having such a emotional response to the situation? And I think for me, I really learned how to do this over the past year when I had clients either ghost me or stop seeing me. I remember I would feel really guilty like oh I did something wrong or I wasn't good enough and you know surely enough there are times probably where maybe I said something wrong or I just really didn't have a good vibe with them because I'm not gonna get along with every single client I see but at the same time I also realize there are other aspects like oh they weren't maybe ready for therapy or it got maybe too real and it was too much for them or they didn't find that I was a fit and that's completely okay and I think that when we start to open up and allow ourselves to see the other side of the situation or other reasons other than ourselves being the sole reason it's a way for us to be more gentle with ourselves but even though sometimes you know we really did do wrong (laughs) and I'm that's something I really appreciate about your podcast and the two of you you guys are like are my role models really and I enjoyed listening to you guys you guys were out before I started my own podcast and being able to listen to people share about these things I think is really important for us to learn ourselves to do because for me to answer my own question (laughs) um I've had my podcast out for a bit over a year and I see it almost while it's not quite the same as what you guys do, I see it as a journal or diary or some sort of myself learning about mental health. And I can see that over the year, I've really learned about different types of mental health and where I have gaps of knowledge and how hearing from other people can help fill those gaps. And I hope that for all the listeners that they learn something here and there about what they can do to work on their mental health, because 
I think just there's not enough awareness yet and I hope that we can keep building it we have posters everywhere for um, how many vegetables you eat or meat or whatever and all about your health and exercise but just not enough about mental health yet and it's like you guys said and Christy said the most intimate relationship you're going to have in your life is with yourself so if you hate yourself for the rest of your life um, I have no better way to put it it's going to be a pretty long and miserable one and I'm wondering if you guys have any final comments or you know, things that you'd like to share with the listeners. Maybe I'll start with you, Christy. <laughs> Why is it always me? Because you're on the left side of my screen. Who <laughs> 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 told you to enter the room first? <laughs> oh, that is smart. I'm I'm gonna wait next time. <laughs> um Okay, I think what you had just said. Shervin was summarized so beautifully. So I'm going to, I want to reiterate the thing that I had learned from, you know, when I was in my twenties and then now in my thirties is to stay in your own lane because we can't help but compare ourselves with other people. And it's, it's okay to look around sometimes, but we always need to kind of keep our own eye on the road that we are on. And so stay on your own lane and other people around you can do whatever they want and you can do whatever you want in your life. Thank you, Christy. How about you, Angie? Yeah, I think it comes down to exactly what you both said. Um, Using the analogy of staying in your own lane is like, you know, when you – when you're driving, let's say you're driving to somewhere, you're, you have this goal of like, okay, I must get there by like 4 p.m. And you really just focus on that goal. And then you keep changing lanes to try to like get ahead. But you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't work. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Life is kind of like that, right? Like it's so much better. Like think about those times where you're running late. You're just trying to get there on time. It's so much better to take your time driving, enjoy you know, the podcast that you're listening to, wink, wink, or the music <laughs> that you're listening to, and just like enjoying the drive instead of trying to constantly change lanes and worry about like, hey, that Honda Civic was like behind me earlier, but now it's in front of me. How dare they? I must get in front of them. Um, so life is just like, just take it easy and don't give yourself the added stress. I love that. Thank you so much. And where can our listeners find you guys? So they can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Pod, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. They can also follow us on Instagram at shitwedonttellmom, or they can check out our website at www.shitwedonttellmom.com. What she said. <laughs> <laughs> To support my podcast and help reach others, please follow and share it with anyone who is looking to learn a bit more about mental health. For any listeners who are visual learners or would like some more resources, I invite you to read my blog posts on shervin.ca and to follow my Twitter at HelloShervin and my Instagram at TherapyWithShervin for updates. Thanks again for being here. Thank you so much for having us and for calling us your role models. That was so nice. (laughs) 